Hi everyone, my name is Pooja, my pronouns are she and her, and I am the founder of Booney Dune. We're a zero-waste skincare brand based in New York City, and I'm super excited just to be here and sharing my story. I'm so excited for you to be here. I did not know you were based in New York. How, wow, how is it running a sustainable business in New York? It is great on one hand and I'm sure as people could imagine it's very expensive on the other hand so when I actually started Booney Dune I started Booney Dune um January of 2020 and we didn't launch until June of 2020 um and during that you know those six months New York City actually shut down because of COVID so I ended up moving back home into my dad's house um just outside of Atlanta Georgia and I ended up starting Mini Dune there. So like we have like most all of our packaging was shipped there. Our product was shipped there um, and it really allowed us to start our, you know, my business um, and launch um, the summer of 2020. And I think that now that sort of, you know, the pandemic has died down a little bit and New York is opening up again. I'm back in New York City and I'm based in New York City and our companies registered in New York City. Um, but I just realized how easy it was to run a business in Georgia. So I'm always torn about, you know, moving back to Georgia and, you know, running Booney Doom from there or enjoying living in the city and all of that lifestyle um, and staying in New York City. So it's, it's something that I'm sure other people have struggled with during the past year or so, where, whether or not city living is worth it <laughs> for a financial and sort of what can you actually do in the city when everything's sort of closed. Right. I feel like um, especially starting a business during a pandemic, yes. it's, it's that realization of, of um, y- you need the resources. And when everything closes down, how, how do you have those resources to, to keep your business running or to keep your business, to, to allow your business to start in your case? Um, so yeah. if I remember right, Georgia didn't have as much restrictions during <laughs> not at all yeah. I know it was actually so surreal because I left New York City March of 2020 when things were starting to like really um almost escalate in the city and when I went down to Georgia it was almost as if I was like in the twilight zone everything was open people weren't even wearing masks I was like what's mm-hmm. going on here like I think eventually Georgia did sort of get act together and people wore masks and people were quarantining and like really respectful of sort of the precautions that come with COVID. Um, But when I first moved down there, it really hadn't, like it wasn't part of their reality. But I think that's, it's bittersweet because it allowed for you to start your business. Yes, it did. And you know what? I think that when I first started Vinnie Dune, I think especially when it comes to sustainability, people are always talking about, you know, source your materials locally, source your like, you know, like your product, like your manufacturing, everything is local. And I think that, I, we like manufacture our products in the United States, but componentry does come from other parts of the world. And that's partially why, like, it sort of drives the idea, you know, home for me to be local because you have more control over it when it is local. You're able to like, you know, drive to go get your products or your jars or whatever. Versus for us, we had our custom, our jar lids custom made in China. And that was actually mm. what delayed our product launch because, it, you know, Shanghai port was shut down and, you know, no one was doing any sort of sea shipping. So I think that, you know, when I think about future products and future sort of um, 
things that we do, I like to sort of think about like, okay, if the world shuts down again, can I actually still continue to do this? Right, right, exactly. And I, and I think that goes into sustainability. It's the ability to sustain the business and keep it running. I'm curious how you came to creating a skincare brand. I, it was really my own personal like consumer journey that inspired me to start Booney Dune. Prior to starting Booney Dune, I worked in finance in New York City and I was it, very different. I used to, I still joke around that I was probably the least sustainable person in the world. Like if it was convenient, I will do it. Like if it's an Uber, like three blocks, I'm hopping in the car. I'm going those three blocks in the car. I, it was like, you know, my laundry, I'm sending it out. If You know, like every little like take, take out. I have so many plastic containers from takeout. Like I had no concept of like, I don't know. It's almost like one day I just came home from like a work trip and I saw all of this, like it went into my bathroom. I saw all this product packaging everywhere, all this stuff I've amassed over like the past like couple of years. And I was like, this, I just need to make some lifestyle changes. And skincare is where I started. Like, I really thought that like, you know, let me start decluttering my bathroom. And because I'd ordered, especially with skincare, I think more so than other industries, the other packaging industries, the packaging is so important. And the packaging, there's so much like wasteful packaging that comes with skincare that, you know, a tiny little product can have like enormous packaging. And I think that that's really what irritated me the most when I was trying to declutter is like the fact that there was so much waste with skincare and beauty. Um, and I went online, I said, oh, there has to be alternatives out there. And there are alternatives out there that I use and I love, but I really love, like, I'm such a science nerd in the terms of skincare, like the ingredients. I like innovation. I like really cool ingredients. I like to make sure it works. Um, so I didn't really see that as much as I wanted to. And I said, oh, this is like, I wanted to create products I would use, essentially, is what ended up inspiring me to start Booney Dune. And I've been really fortunate and grateful that, that, you know, there are other customers out there who had the same sort of issues and are looking for similar products. Right, right. And, and I like that you that you brought up one, the packaging and that you also brought up the science nerd, because when I was looking into sustainable skincare, you were one of the only ones that I saw that were dermatologists tested. And I'm like, okay, I love sustainability. I love that people are, you know, showing glass packaging and less plastic, but not enough people were incorporating science in it for me, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and as somebody like, I have acne prone skin. So I was like, how am I supposed to support businesses that are practicing sustainably if it's going to break out my skin? You know what I mean? Yes. I, you know, I am so similar in the sense as a consumer, like I want to know that it's, you know, made in safe conditions and it's like the ingredients are sourced like from great places and sustainably sourced and that, you know, the product itself is like tested and when I was going through the process, like the product development process, I, you know, one of the things that we ended up doing is we actually, because we, so maybe taking a step back, our, our product that we launched with our calm cleansing capsules and they're encapsulated facial cleansing powder. And uh, you just add a couple of drops of water and it turns into a foaming cleanser. And it really allows for it to be, you know, without any preservatives because there's no water for microbial growth. And it also allows it to be really lightweight because you're adding water yourself. You're not really paying for like, or shipping um, the water that oftentimes is in the cleanser. 
And so when we started it, I really wanted like a gentle surfactant, which is the foaming agent that's part of the cleanser. And many times like uh, companies will use, like conventional cleansers use sulfates, which are really bad for the environment. So I worked with a biotech company out in California and we sourced ramnolipids and ramnolipids are actually biosurfactants. So they're sort of like green surfactants. They are, it's essentially from the fermentation of vegetable oil. It creates this gentle foam. So that's one of the surfactants we use in our cleansing powder. And it hasn't really been commercialized for skincare. There's, it's that they use it for like bioremediation, like little duckies you see that have, you know, you know, some sort of environmental disaster. They are used in those types of situations to help with the animal population and help with cleaning and bioremediation. But they haven't been as tested on skincare products. So as a consumer, I wouldn't want to be the guinea pig that that product is tested on. So we actually did an extensive eight-week trial of 50 participants where every other day, essentially, or maybe like at least once a week, they have a patch put on them with our product. And just to make sure it causes no irritation to the skin, it causes no like sort of, um, you know, adverse reaction, skin reactions. And because that was so important to me, like the fact that our product is safe for the skin is so, you know, it's a skincare product. It ought to be. And like, surprisingly enough, when I was going through the product development process, those tests aren't required. Like every product out there doesn't have that dermatologist tested seal or like, you know, that, um, that marketing claim because they haven't done that type of testing. Wow. (laughs) And, and it makes sense now that you say that, like as a consumer, it makes sense because I've always wondered, especially certain products where, um, like exfoliating products in, in particular, where I see people get burns and I've experienced like skin sensitivity. And I'm like, how are they able to sell this stuff? You know, and, and it may, and it makes sense now it's like, well, because they aren't required to have it tested by a dermatologist or, you know, required to ensure that it's safe for people to use. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was mind blowing. Like, you know, now that I'm on the other side of things as like a brand founder, it's so shocking to see how little regulation there is in the skincare space. And it's not to say like, I generally things that are on the market are safe for people to use, especially topically. Um, And I think that there is a sense of chemophobia where it's like people are scared of chemicals and, um, you know, Toxic. We never we never describe our products as toxic or non-toxic because, you know, toxicity is dependent on dosage. Like it really depends how much of it are you using, what's the concentration, you know, what's the method? Is it topical? Is it oral? Is it you know like all of those things matter? So we just focus on transparency. Like as a consumer, I would want to make sure that, you know, the product is safe for skin. We did the testing for that. I wanted to make sure that. It is, you know, transparent and, you know, okay, you know, like environmentally, like not harmful to the environment. So we did the EWG verification process. And then of course, like cruelty-free, that's super important. There's no, like, there's no need for products to be tested on animals. Like that's just so unnecessary. Um, So we, we did that test, you know, we did that certification as well. And then, you know, sustainable packaging, like that's, you know, there's no need for any of us to contribute to the plastic packaging, especially as a con- and pollution, like in relation to a personal care product. I feel like that's 
wholly unnecessary too. Um, so, you know, that's sort of our pillars when we think about new products and our existing cleansing capsule yes yes for anyone who has not tried the boonie dune calm cleansing capsules they are personally a favorite of mine I like them so much that I have a problem with using them up <laughs> like I'm one of those product hoarders so what I do right now is I actually use them when I travel because they are so compact they're so easy to travel with and I like that you don't have to bring around a liquid container and risk it spilling everywhere. You really just need to make sure that they're in a waterproof sort of bag and you can take them, use them when you're washing your face and you're ready to go. I find that they're really good at like removing makeup for me. I don't wear a lot of makeup, but they do remove makeup pretty well too. And um, I'm curious how you decided to do capsules like dissolvable capsules. How did you come to that? Yeah, I feel like oftentimes when people talk about their products, I always feel like it's this narrative of like, it's like an epiphany that they had and they you know created this amazing product that's ready to market. It was not the case for me. And I always make a point to talk about how that is such a false narrative when it comes to me personally. Like our product is like product development is so iterative in nature where we, I really wanted to create a product that didn't have many of the, like the harmful preservatives um, that are harmful both to the skin as well as to the environment. And our formulating consultant said that, well, if you don't want preservatives, you have to take the water out of your cleanser because oftentimes water is what necessitate, like necessitates the need for preservatives. Um, so I was like, okay, let's do a cleansing powder then. And we created this cleansing powder and when we sent it to consumers to test, um, like our beta testers, they were all so confused by the cleansing powder. I can't even describe to you some of the videos I got back of just like my family and friends. They're like, I have no idea what to do this. And so they added powder and then they added water and then they added more powder and then they added more water. It was just such a mess. And like, you know, like the samples that were meant to be used for one week were now like used up in a day. Uh, so I was like, this, there has, you know, there has to be a way for us to like dose it out for them essentially. And that's when I looked to the market and most actually, most cleansing powders that are on the market that are single use tend to be in plastic pods. So cleansing powders are really popular in mostly in East Asia. So in Japan and Korea, and they have like single use cleansing powders there that are all in these plastic sort of, they almost look like contact lens, you know, like containers like the packaging for contact right lenses, right yeah fill up with the foil and there's like powder in that little pod um so I was like I'm not doing that that's so wasteful <laughs> uh so I was like what else is out there that's single use and you know not as harmful to the environment and I found these amazing they're it looks like vitamins but they're actually a little bit larger than vitamins when you see them in real life they're on the larger side um, I just think they'd be really uncomfortable to actually ingest. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and they're made from tapioca starch. So it was really great. Like economically for me, I didn't have to pay for someone to create a mold or pay for like changes to machinery to create some custom capsule. I literally can use the same machinery, machinery that's used for like nutraceuticals or pharmaceuticals and create, um, just fill them with our, our powder to make the capsules. So, and then once we created the capsules, I think the consumers had so, like, it was just much easier for them to use the product. They knew exactly how much 
powder was in the capsules and you it's a personal preference in terms of how much water you want to add but it helps them sort of figure out the right way to mix it up for their skin right I feel like when I first saw the capsules I was like okay this is different (laughs) like like I think you almost get intimidated because you're so especially when you first start sustainability everything comes in liquid, right? So you're always kind of like, okay, I know how to manage how much or how little to get when something's in a liquid form. But when it goes to powder or bars, you're kind of like, okay, how do I, how do I maneuver that? So I personally really liked that it came in the capsule because you're not like, okay, but how much powder do I use? You know, you don't have to ask yourself that question, you know? Um, I, and I think it's great that it's tapioca starch. And I think that it's great that they just dissolve pretty fast. You know, I, I'm able to just pop it open, put the, the powder in my hand, put as much water as I feel I need to get it to, you know, mix together. And then I can just drop the capsules in. And by the time I'm finished washing my face, the capsule is gone. And I'm like, okay, this is, I like this. <laughs> <laughs> I know that was really important to me because we we it, like we sort of like looked at different options. One of them being like, you know, seaweed capsules, but they sort of require like boiling water to dissolve. And I was like, I don't know if people are gonna save these capsules and then boil water and then dissolve. Like, I just want to like it's important to sort of be realistic in terms of what the consumer is willing to do and what they're probably not going to do. Uh, so I was like, I think these tapioca capsules probably are like they're, I wish we could have colored them or made them a little bit cooler to look at, but it was just like, <laughs> that was sort of the reality and the material worked really well in terms of what con- consumers would actually do with them. Definitely. Definitely. I know when you mentioned the seaweed where you have to boil, imagine like a drunk night, you come home to take off your makeup, right? <laughs> and you're like, yeah, uh-huh, no, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I'm, I'm not taking the extra time for sure. <laughs> No, I think I think that's that's very innovative. And that's one thing that I personally love about sustainable businesses is the fact that um, we like we take that extra step of like, okay, we're not just thinking of the product, we're thinking of our packaging, we're thinking of where the ingredients come from, or where our materials come from. And then we're thinking of the back end of so what are they going to do with the packaging when we're done? What are they going to do with the shipping? What are they going to do with the containers? You know, how how do we make it a circular thing where they can easily recycle or they can easily dispose and it's not harming the environment along the way? I could not agree more in the sense that I feel like that thought process, it's not linear either. Like, even though we call ourselves a zero waste skincare brand, it doesn't mean that we are perfect in every single aspect and that we should just like rest on our laurels and that's you know like we've done our part right like after we launched we use post-consumer recycled cardboard boxes so like you probably received your calm cleansing capsules in like a beautiful boonie doom branded box that you know and that box is actually one of the most sustainable cardboard boxes out there like it's printed with soy ink it doesn't have any sort of the uv glosses that contaminate or pollute um it's made from like 90 to 100 percent post-consumer recycled content like we put so much thought into the cardboard box and then you know we were like wait a minute why don't we use reusable shippers right like it doesn't it doesn't mean that that cardboard box is like the end of like that thought process and then we should we should like 
not continue to innovate and see if there are more sustainable versions out there. So now we actually, I don't know if you've seen, we actually switched to reusable shippers. So what we use this company, we partnered with this company called Books, and they have reusable shippers. So we ship out US orders and these ship like mailers essentially. Um, they're made from like post-consumer recycled plastic. And then after use, you will actually ship it. It includes a prepaid shipping label. So you ship it back to Books on our at our expense and they will sanitize it and send it back to us so that we can use it for future orders. So we reuse the same mailer over and over and over again. Wow. And I remember on my my personal research, I remember running into that company and I think I have an email from them. I reached out to them because I wanted to, to show people about that company as well. So I'm really glad to see a business that is utilizing that. And the fact that you're able to return it and reuse it, which cuts down cost on your end. You know, you may have to pay for the return shipping label, but you're able to still reuse the, sh- the shipping box until essentially it can't be used anymore. And if I recall correctly, books actually, when it can't be re- like you use anymore, like say it's damaged in shipping or something like that, they will actually believe recycle it. So they recycle it into production of new books. I think that's, I don't know, it might be wrong, but I think that's why he, um, I had a call with the founder and that's why he said during, during that call. What has always like, just irked me is that larger corporations have the resources to do this and they just don't. It's really frustrating because oftentimes as a small beauty brand, like a skincare brand, it's, you know, I'll see innovation and, in, you know, like touted like, oh, like plastic free dropper bottles. I'm like, oh, that's so cool. Like, I would love to use a plastic free dropper bottle for a future product. And I will reach out to them. And they say that the minimum order quantity is like 25,000 units, which is beyond what I would, you know, that's, that's enormous enormous uh order for us to make and that's it's frustrating like the companies that have the scale to make that type of purchase right are not me it's not me it's you know companies that are much larger and they choose not to do it right right and i i feel like this leads into um content creators influencers all of those the social media marketing i feel like it's hard to win when it comes to social media, just because these are the same companies that they're not going to put the money into the sustainable packaging, but they'll put the money into people who are going to promote their products and make it more, more interesting or more sellable than a smaller business that's actually making good quality products. That's also being more conscious and trying to support the environment as well. I'm curious how you're handling social media. Like, do you see a winning strategy? Do you have more content creators who've been talking about your business or are you really just focused on people versus using influencers to promote your business? I will say that like social media, so to date, I would say most of our social media, like when I say social media, it's like Instagram, like primarily Instagram is the platform that we use and not so much Facebook or even TikTok, um, which I know many people are starting to use a little bit more. And Instagram now is really challenging as a small company to gain organic awareness. So I think just the way the algorithm is and just the way, you know, there's so many brands on Instagram that are competing for the same set of eyeballs. 
uh, that I often find myself, even as a consumer, just sort of like turned off by sponsored ads or turned off by, you know, like, you know, really beautiful packaging that I know, or like products that don't actually fit the ethos of like my consumer behavior now. So I feel like we haven't really done any sort of Instagram ads and we haven't really done any really any paid collaborations just because as a as a really small brand we don't have the budget for that and b because I don't think that's where consumers are making their purchasing decisions anymore like I feel like if I was as like a you know brand founder if I was if I had like a hundred dollars to budget you know for example I would spend ninety dollars of that on content creators outside of Instagram, just because I feel like your point, the larger brands have monopolized content creation on Instagram. So you're really looking at, you know, like brands that are found in Sephora, like those are the key players of the content creation in the skincare space on Instagram. And those brands um, don't have the same monopoly on like YouTube or TikTok. So I feel like that's probably as a brand founder, like more, I don't know, it just makes more financial sense too. No, I like that you said that. Um, because for me personally, one of the reasons why I started my YouTube channel was the fact that I never went to Instagram for, you know, help with making consumer decisions on what I was going to buy. You, you know, I would see the marketing posts and I'm one of those people. I support content creators. If I like them as a personality, I support them, but I never really support the companies that they do ads with. (laughs) And when I would come across a business, I normally will go to YouTube. That's like where I go to see, okay, somebody's going to use the product. Somebody's going to show me what it looks like. Somebody's going to try it out. Or somebody's actually going to talk about the experience of using the product, not just here's the pretty packaging, go ahead and support. Here's my discount code. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) And especially when it comes to skincare too, it's like people want to see the lather. People want to see the product in action and know that it works or know that, um, that just like this interview that the, the person behind the business aligns with my values. And when I think also your consumer base, your, your marketing to, to, how would we say it? Conscious consumers, right? So to then go and now I'm going to put a whole lot of money on these content creators that aren't aligned with that. It would make it hard for people to support both sides. You know what I mean? I, yeah, like for us, when I send out product, like as a zero waste skincare brand, so like maybe taking a step back, with skincare, I think like the rule that people often tell when you're launching a new product, for example, is you reserve 10% of your product up for launch in terms of gifting. So gifting to content creators, gifting to like, perhaps like, you know, journalists, like, you know, editors, but you reserve 10% for gifting. When you're like, say, for example, if I was launching with a thousand units, that's a hundred units of product that goes out to people who might not like the product, right? They might not use the product. They, they, it might be an editor that receives like thousands of products, right, in a given month. So I think that for us, we are incredibly intentional about who we gift product to because there's a tremendous amount of 
product waste that happens in the skincare industry. And we don't want to contribute to that. That doesn't make sense for our own. Like we can't say we're a sustainable company and then like produce waste essentially by gifting product out. So before we gift, I'm sure you remember this, like before we gift, we'll send across like information about the ingredients just to make sure like if you're allergic to oats, we wouldn't send you our product because oats is a key ingredient in it. It doesn't make sense. Like we want to be make sure that the products that we send out to people actually suit them and it's something that they would use. Otherwise, it's just going to go into the trash. Right. And I definitely love that. I loved the intention when we communicated about receiving the product. For for those of you who don't know, I did receive a gift of the product. <laughs> for those of you who don't know, <laughs> yes. And I, I ended up doing a review. Um, I actually am someone who uses the product to this day. And um, I actually saw one of my YouTube friends share out your skincare product because she saw my video. Yes, she did a whole video on sustainable skincare and she was, and she brought your product up. And when I saw the the name, I was like, oh yeah. And she's like, this one was actually a video from Tati and all that. And I was so happy to see that because it's like, that's when you know that your social change is, is working. Like people are looking at this stuff and saying, wow, that's an innovative idea that I want to support not because somebody's paying, you know, receiving money to do it, but because it's actually a good product that aligns. So I really like that. And I like the intention that you put behind who you send products to and, and sharing the information about the product before you send it, because you know, a lot of people are not doing that. A lot of brands are not doing that when they're gifting products. Yes. And I, I realized that I just feel like that could help so much in terms of reducing the amount of waste that happens in the skincare industry or the beauty industry, because I know, like I see like, you know, shelfies or whatever, you know, like the sort of the beauty closets that have a ton of products. There's no way you're able to, as one person, use all of that product, um, you know, by the expiration date, because products do have expiration dates. Um, so that's why I feel like it, it's it's pretty important that like I wish more brands maybe took advantage of that type of philosophy because I think it could really make an impact in terms of you know how much product actually gets wasted and reducing waste in the skincare industry. And similarly, I think that you know we gift product to people based off of their value. So like like you mentioned before you know, we have some really amazing content creators we've developed relationships with on Instagram and they share our values. You know, they're about climate justice or like other types of social issues that matter to us. And they are open-minded and they talk about sustainability. They may not be perfect, but they're trying. And it's always about prioritizing progress over perfection. and I think that's super important. Like we rarely ever look at maybe followers or so. It's just like, is the vibe of this person like similar to what we're trying to do in the world? I love that for sure. Um, now, when it comes to creating new products, are you in the works of additional products now? Yes, it's been, it's been a really long time. I think that, so we probably started product development on this one product. It's another cleanser. And it's from feedback we received from consumers. Um, they really wanted an oil-based cleanser because some people don't like a foaming cleanser and they wanted something um, that's you know, either, either like almost like a cleansing balm 
Uh, so we developed this product and hopefully it's launching this summer. So soon uh, it's been really trying because we want to get the packaging perfect. We want to get the product perfect. We want to do all the testing that's necessary. Um, so all of that takes a long time and sometimes things happen. You're like, I just want to take a shortcut, but you really can't. Like I just, I would never want to do that. Um, so we're almost there. I think we're I almost see the finish line. So that will be launching this year. And then maybe later on in the year, we'll be launching a moisturizing product as well. Oh, nice. Okay. I'm excited for the moisturizing product. <laughs> I'm excited for that. I cannot wait. That, that sounds really exciting too. Um, and I like, I like what you mentioned about the oil-based as well. Cause I know for people who wear more makeup, people who, you know, um, need a more oil-based, you know, type of product, they're really, I, I can't think of any oil-based cleanser that is in sustainable packaging that I can personally think of. I, I know there's some, but I can't even, I can't think of one off the top of my head. Yeah. For a lot of our, like sort of like our benchmarks or conventional benchmarks, many of them use like plastic ingredients, like PEGs or um, sort of like in order to get that consistency, like thick consistency, and, or they use plastic tubing, which is something that we would never use. Um, so it's, it, I feel like there is a market. And also, like many of our consumers, they like, they wear like heavy makeup, for example, and they want to do a double cleanse. So they want like an oil based cleanser as their, their first cleanse or they like to use the like the capsules when they're traveling, but they want a cleanser that they can use like every day at home. So this would be a larger product. So it'd be about a hundred ml into like three three ish ounces, a little bit over three ounces. Um, so it's just something like a tube that they can keep at home and sort of use the product there. I like that. I definitely like that. <laughs> I love that idea. Exactly. Um, I wanted to circle back into zero waste, um, for a lot of people, when we start our zero waste or sustainable journey as consumers, we always think that it's always about us. And I would love to think, I would love to know your thoughts on the fact that zero waste is really the definition is about businesses. It's really about businesses creating sustainable, mar mar how do you say it, manufacturing for their businesses. What message would you say to consumers when it comes to practicing zero waste themselves? I, I feel like and this is partially why it inspired me to start Booney Dune is like there's this concept of extended producer responsibility where you know, the brand, the company takes responsibility for the entire life cycle of the product. And I feel like if more companies did that, like if more companies were like, okay, I'm going to not just create this product, I'm going to ship it to the consumer with like carbon neutral shipping. I'm going to make sure that the shipping, you know, packaging is recyclable. I'm going to make sure that the packaging is recyclable. I'm going to make sure that there's you know, it's, the product itself is biodegradable. It's not going to affect waterways or aquatic life. I'm going to make sure that after the consumer uses the product, it could easily be disposed of, like compostable, recyclable, whatever it might be. It's not going to pollute anything. Um, and I feel like too often the burden of sustainability is shoved to the consumer. Like you go find a sustainable option. You go find a recycling center that accepts this type of recycling. Cause not, you know, not every plastic 
can be recycled curbside. So like you go find like the, the way to recycle this, like, yes, it's recyclable, but it might not be recyclable where you live. So it's like your, your issue now to actually de deal with it. And I personally feel like if the messaging I would have to a consumer who's starting at the sustainability journey is find those brands that don't think of sustainability as your problem to solve. Because I think that's like, if you find a brand who's willing to answer the questions that you have for them, like that is the, the best type of brand you want to support because they actually are taking on the sort of mental baggage of thinking through all these issues. Yes, <laughs> I, I exactly know. I love that. And I agree with that because when I first started practicing sustainability, it was so confusing because you're like, okay, but which brands are actually thinking through the process and which ones aren't? Because I mean, there's some brands especially when I first started, where if you look at their sustainability, it's like a paragraph. <laughs> we care about the environment. And I was like, okay, but how, but what are you doing that's actually making this sustainable? And then I'd sometimes order from those brands and then I see plastic packaging or I'm like, well, wait, <laughs> you know, I'm like, now I have questions and it used to make me feel bad. Like, I, I feel like I was one of those people that had like eco anxiety where it's like, oh man, I'm not, you know, I'm not doing enough. <laughs> I was, I felt like I got, got, you know, like, okay, you said you were sustainability, but you know, you said you had sustainable practices, but then as I look into your brand after I've supported it, now I don't see that, you know, um, it went to the point where I just wouldn't buy things. I went on those like no buy months, like I'm just not supporting anybody. And my views have changed now where it's like, no, just support small businesses, support people who are actually explaining what's sustainable about their business and support those people, keep the money going. H how do we keep businesses that are sustainable open if we don't spend our money on them? You know what I mean? I mean, since starting Bunny Dune, I have not purchased anything from Sephora. I refuse to. And it's like such a bizarre concept because that's like where like for the past maybe 10 years, I bought all of my beauty products and all of my like skincare products. And now I'm like, no, there's like, why would I contribute to something that doesn't really align with my values? And I think similarly um, with other parts of my life too, where it's like, you know, am I supporting large food chains or am I supporting smaller restaurants? Am I support, you know, like every little thing, like even New like locally, like in New York city, like, Oh, like, let me get a cab instead of an Uber, like tiny things like that. I feel like make me feel happier with my purchases. Um, and I like going to an earlier point of yours, like where I think no buys are so, so interesting because I will say when I first started my sustainability, um, like, I guess like my sustainability journey, I immediately went to Google to figure out what can I buy to be more sustainable, <laughs> which is so, so like moronic in a way <laughs> where, you know, like thinking that I can buy myself out of a problem that started because we were all buying too much stuff. Right. <laughs> Um, exactly no I know exactly how you feel so I think that like when I think about like us being a sustainable brand as well like we try not to push our product in terms of like buy 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 because that also feels really 
um, counterintuitive as like a sustainable brand to promote consumption or promote overconsumption. Um, so we're, that's something that I personally struggle with a lot as like the Brown founder, where it's like, we have like a discount when people, you know, have their first purchase with Booney Dune. And then we have a sale um, closer to the holidays, but that's really it. Like we don't really have sales just because like, if you want to support us, I would love to have your support, but I don't want to like, I don't know, like burden you with the decision of like, you know, like buying us because we've like infiltrated your brain somehow. And like, you see all our ads everywhere. And like, now you need to head like, no, buy us when your cleanser runs out. Like, that's all that we ask. <laughs> like, you don't need to <laughs> buy something just to have. I, I like that, that mindset for marketing because um, it, it promotes your business, but it also doesn't promote overconsumption. It's like, no, just buy it when you need it. Just we're here. We're still going to be here. <laughs> we're not going anywhere. Save the post. You can go back to us later. You know, <laughs> I, I like, I like that. I like that. And, and I, I also think that it makes you stand firm in your price when, when you're discounting your price all the time, especially as we know, larger companies love to do, you're like, well, how did, how does the people who made this product, how are they receiving their wages? If you're always discounting the price, you know what I mean? I, I think of like, I just, not just like thought, like how much do you really think this product is worth? Like the price we went to market with is literally what our product, you know, what we need to make a profit, what we need to like purchase the ingredients, the manufacturing, the jars, whatever, like all of that goes into it. And it's really like, it's not inflated in any way is what I'm trying to say. Like, it's really what it costs um, for that product. And when I feel like people are constantly discounting their prices, I'm like, well, does it actually cost that? Like, like, where is that? What, where's the differential going to, right? Like, is it, is it like you're no longer pay your interns like I rather you pay your interns than can have a 20% discount on a product right no I I like I like that mindset and I agree with that too um because it, it does make you start asking the questions like okay where is that money so if I bought it at full price versus the sale like where was that where was that money going <laughs> and I was gonna say like I think it's really tricky because I feel like in the skincare space there are guidelines that are given oftentimes where it's like you if you say for example you're a brand and you're in a retailer oftentimes a retailer will purchase your product at a 50% discount off of the like suggested retail price so you want to always make sure that whatever it costs to make a product is less than 50% of your you know, retail price, because that way you make money if a retailer buys it from you wholesale. Um, so it definitely changed, like different things change. Like we include, we completely offset the carbon and ship everything. So like everything, all orders come with free, like completely carbon neutral shipping in the US. So we incorporated that into our pricing as well. Like all of those things, it's like when you buy from us, like all the stuff that we think about is incorporated into that pricing. Um, and I feel as we get larger, there's like economies of scale that hopefully will happen and we can pass that savings down. Cause I do like one of our goals is to really make zero waste skincare and personal care more affordable and accessible. So, you know, hopefully as we grow, we're able to like create products that are, 
incrementally more affordable and accessible. Oh, I like that. I like that. And I feel like the affordability and and accessibility of zero waste is a whole new podcast episode that we're going to have to do later. (laughs) We're going to have to dive into that at some point, because it's definitely one of those things I'm, I'm, I'm blessed and I'm honored that I have the income to support businesses and to pay full price. But there's also the reality that there's a lot of people out there who can't, you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. That's something that like, when we launched our Calm Cleansing Capsules, we launched it benchmarking to other clean beauty brands in the space. And I soon realized like those beauty brands are like sort of out of reach for large sections of the population. Um, like So like we really did a complete overhaul of our product development pipeline. We cut contracts with certain labs because they tend to produce products that have a higher COGS, like a higher cost of goods. Um, and that would allow us not to meet, like that would force us essentially to launch really expensive products. Um, so we have like internally, like a standard where like all of our products have to be below $45, which still is really expensive, um, I think. But hopefully as we grow, we can really get that that sort of um, standard down a little bit too. Very nice. I like that. I like that. We're inching towards the end of our podcast. I love how I told you 30, 45 minutes and it's almost an hour already. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Time flew. I I know. It really did. It really did. Please do let everyone know um, the best website, Instagram, contact information to reach you. Yes. Our product and products, hopefully in the future, will be found at booniedune.com. So it's B-O-O-N-I-D-O-O-N.com. And we're also on Instagram at Booney Jam. 